This is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we've got a very exciting episode for you. We're going to talk about rock hounding in Montana. There's a lot of great stuff to find there. We're going to talk about sapphires and more. Also, for fossil news, we're going to talk about Mars a little bit. Some of the things that are going on there. They might have found a fossil there. Um, Pretty interesting. Also, we're going to talk about the latest tanzanite discovery. We've talked about it before, but it seems that uh, the story is even better than before. More things are happening. Also, we're going to talk about crazy lace agate. Believe it or not, this is an actual commodity, and we'll talk briefly about that. Also in fossils, we're going to talk about the world's richest area, probably one of the most richest areas and diverse areas, which is in Scotland, and we'll talk about that a little bit. So let's get right into it. But first, I want to thank you guys for supporting the show, for our community. We will put in the description of this podcast the link for um, our blog at radicalrocksusa.blogspot.com. And you can go to those and any of our links. We've got all kinds of social media. We've got a wonderful community that's been building up on a couple different sites. We're trying to migrate over to the MeWe, and we're looking at some other sites as well. Um, Just appreciating the free speech that we have here in America. We've kind of been looking for areas that appreciate that for our formats. Um, But we do have YouTube videos and um, community. We have blogs with lots of information. Of course, all these podcasts are pretty much timeless. Every episode has information in it that is long-lasting. And sometimes we sprinkle a few current events in there. But for the most part, it's very educational. So let's get right into it. Um, First thing I'd like to talk about today, I want to get into the uh, Tanzanite study, uh, story rather, um, Lazier, we've talked about him before. He's been in the news quite a bit. A while back, he found the largest um, Tanzanite ever found, and then a second one, which I believe was pretty close to, um, I think it was the second biggest, I'm not sure, but he found those. And they were, I believe one in American measurements was uh, either 9 pounds or 12 pounds, and the other one was like 6 but in uh, in kilograms, it's 9.27 kilograms was the first biggest one that he found. And then he found another one that was 5.1 kilograms. And this was quite a few months ago. Now, apparently, um, they've put some values on those. And uh, we talked about those values. And he was looking, you know, to work with the government there because in Tanzania, they have to, you know, work with the government. And uh, But they do get um, the money. They get to use the money. I guess uh, they probably have some taxes and whatnot to pay. Who knows? But what happened is a few, like just a few weeks ago, the same guy found the second biggest one. So now he's found the first biggest Tanzanite gemstone, the second biggest Tanzanite gemstone, and the third biggest Tanzanite gemstone. And uh, he's 52 years old. He's really a full-time farmer. He has about 2,000 head of cattle. And uh, I believe his last name is Lazier, Mr. Lazier, L-A-I-Z-E-R. And uh, he's had a real good stroke of good luck. But now there was some, uh, the the leader there of the government 
they were changing leadership, so it kind of put a little monkey wrench in him actually being able to cash in. But uh, in their currency there in Tanzania, it sold, uh, he is going to get $4.8 billion of the SH currency that they use there. And I believe that was converted into like, you know, a couple million dollars, quite a bit of money. So in U.S. dollars. Really neat story. If you want to see this, there's actually a video, and it is in uh, another language, but there's also pictures on this site here of the gemstone, and it is a fabulous deep purple um, gemstone. And you can go to thecitizen.co.tz, and um, you will find that at, I'll just scroll here, under the article called Lazier Sells His latest six kilogram tanzanite gemstone for sh 4.8 billion so i guess it was up 4.8 billion in their local currency just for that uh that medium size one that he found incredible incredible story next let's talk about scotland now i typically don't think of Scotland when I think about fossils. I'm not, you know, I'm not a uh, worldwide global um, connoisseur of fossils. I know there's a lot in Africa. I know there's a lot in China. Um, um, also um, other countries around the world. But apparently Scotland has its own Jurassic Park. And scientists are saying this is among one of the richest globally for dinosaur fossils and other fossils. You go to heraldscotland.com, and that was written. This article is August the 2nd, Scotland's Jurassic Fossils Among the World's Riches. And the article goes on to say that, you know, not only have they found is this one of the richest areas um, for pteropods, which includes dinosaurs, but uh, it is on their islands. The Isle of uh, Skye, Scotland, provides one of the richest uh, Mesozoic vertebrae fossils in all of uh, the UK and also for the middle uh, Jurassic periods and pteropods. Also, this was first discovered about 1971 and they'd found these small-bodied pteropods, salamanders, um, leposaurus, turtles, uh, croc crocodilomorphus, um, pet petrosaurus, dinosaurs, non-mammalian, uh, um, mammals, fish, and invertebrates. So they've just found a whole variety of these different fossils, but it stretches through many different time periods. They've also found quite a bit of the flying dinosaurs, which uh, is really, a lot of them are being found lately, and a lot more information is coming in, and scientists are learning more about the habits of these animals based on these fossils, and comparing them, of course, to, to modern things. But... Um, one other thing they found, well, a lot of other things they found, they found a lot of footprints. Now, some of these footprints actually have the footprints of full-grown dinosaurs and these little baby dinosaurs as well. And they think they found the first example of an actual family of dinosaurs together. Um, they found a footprint that's so large, they believe that is probably going to be um, one of the giant... Um, um, Oh, the big giant meat eater. You know, I can't think of what it's called now, but I'll think of it eventually. But um, what else have they found? 
Let's see. They found a lot of footprints on the aisle um, of Tyrannosaurus Rex. That was the big one I was talking about, Tyrannosaurus Rex. They feel like they found a footprint of that. And um, they're trying to protect the area. I guess there's a lot of fossil thieves that are digging away at these cliffs and destroying some of these fossils. So there's your fossil news for those of you that love fossils. Now I get kind of a, I guess it's a human interest, um, but it does have to do with rocks and minerals, I thought. Ten things you can't live without and where they came from. Now, some of these are not rocks and minerals, but some of them were, and it caught my eye, so I wanted to share it with you. You go to worldatlas.com. Um, the article was written on August the 2nd by Elaine Kirshner, and um, they've got uh, pictures of the prehistoric cavemen there. And, of course, one of the first things we can't live without um, was fire. And this is not a rock, but... Like I said, some of these things are, and I thought it was pretty interesting. And, and it just kind of, when you think about how everything is made from rocks and minerals or or it grew in the ground, um, it helps appreciate the just the value of our rocks and minerals and how useful they are and how much we depend on them that we don't even think about it. You know, when people talk about, you know, not uh, using minerals from the earth and stuff. It's just almost crazy when you start to take an in-depth look at all the things around you. We'd have to actually live uh, worse than cavemen because cavemen were mining. And, um, you know, they made use stone for the first wheels. They feel this was about 3,500 years um, B.C. in Mesopotamia. And uh, they have other examples. And, of course, tools. Many tools were made with rocks, gems, and minerals, such as arrowheads, axes, spears, um, instruments for, uh, you know, scraping hides uh, so they could prepare them and and preserve them for making clothing and and shelter. So also paper. Uh, here's something. And then what do they what do they write on the paper with? They usually crush up minerals such as uh, okra for the red and maybe lapis or turquoise for the blue and different colored minerals to make um, their inks and materials out of. Now clocks also were early clocks were carved from uh, stone and used a, a uh, like a triangle in the middle to to see how the light would shed um, the shadow across. Now also number six here is concrete. Um, interestingly the um, the ancients you know learned how to use limestone and uh, grind that up and mix it up with water and sand and make concrete. And this is uh, credited uh, to Europeans in the 14th century, but also to the Chinese that uh, invented the first... Uh, oh, the Chinese invented the first clock. The first use of concrete, actually, it says, went back to Syria and Jordan. So right there around Israel in 6,500 BCE. So since the beginning of all recorded time, it seems like... It says the cement was also used to build the Great Wall of China. So there you go. Chinese were as uh, very up to date on that as well. Also, parts of the Great Pyramid in Giza used concrete. The Romans, of course, mixed volcanic ash and limestone to make brick and build entire cities. And parts of all those things that we just talked about, you can see even to this day. Seven was coffee, of course. If you're a rock hound, you probably can't live without coffee. And then clothing, which is not rocks, but calendars. Um, calendars were carved out of rocks. The first calendars were carved out of, um, or made out of clay, 
or other types of rocks and minerals. Also, interpretation stones were used, such as a Rosetta stone that had a passage in three different languages, which has helped um, people interpret uh, the ancient uh, languages quite a bit. And then tenth is not uh, a rock or mineral at all. It's chocolate. So I thought it was a nice human interest story. I wanted to share it with you just to think about rocks and minerals and how valuable they are and how we don't want to take for granted in our day-to-day life. Even though rock hounds, we appreciate rocks. We appreciate the beauty of them and um, just the ingenuity that uh, in the design and the colors and um, just the natural attraction that we have toward rocks and minerals. Because when it gets down to it, when we die, we, uh, you know, we petrify, right? We turn right back into rocks and minerals, or minerals anyway. It might take a long time before we turn into a rock, but... All right, next, Crazy Lace. Can you believe Crazy Lace agate is actually a commodity? So on market uh, marketsearchcorrespondent.com, there was an update on August the 1st, uh, informative report on Crazy Lace agate, Market trends, analysis by region, uh, and it goes on and on. And I'm not going to go into the article in depth because, quite frankly, it's pretty boring. But it just shows I was like, is this really crazy lace agate? I mean, are they really doing a whole report on this? It's like an investor report. And as I dug into it, it's like, oh, yeah, this is crazy lace agate. Um, It is a market. And they have projections of, you know, what the sales will be, how much is coming along, the different areas, um, manufacturers that are actually developing this, the colors, gray, red, blue, and others. Um, Segmentation of crazy lace agates are found in uh, Asia Pacific, Europe, North America, Middle Eastern Africa, and South America. So if you really want to get into this and find out about uh, crazy lace agate as a commodity, then you can look that up at the market research um, correspondent.com. Okay. Next, I thought this was pretty cool. Um, We've talked about going to Mars. We've talked about mining on Mars. Actually, on July the 30th, just a few days ago, uh, the rocket ship took off, and um, the, this is the, the mission, the Explorer vehicle that we talked about that's going to do the rock hounding called the Perseverance. And this is on its way now. This is the third um, launch toward a whole slew of tests and studying of Mars um, in preparation of actually having a human being go to Mars. But why it's interesting to us is because of the rock hounding. And if you go back and look at our uh, some of our podcasts, you'll see an in-depth uh, explanation of the rocks and minerals, how they scan them, um, different things like that. So this is pretty exciting. This just went off. So in months ahead, we should expect to see quite a bit. Now, they're already on Mars. They're already looking at things right now. Um, but in... Uh, oh, and that article for the launch, I want to give that to you. I always like to give credit. It's ex, ex, explica.co, dot C-O, And... Um, I already told you it's the article is called This Was the Launch of NASA's Perseverance Mission to Explore Mars, if you want to look that up. But they have a conspiracy that there has been found a fossilized fish on Mars. 
And uh, I was like, wow, I saw several different uh, news articles pop up on this, this alien on Mars conspiracy theory, um, fossilized fish on the red planet. And uh, I looked at express.co.uk, our friends in the UK have an article here, um, and it talks about this and they have pictures and they're saying that this looks a whole lot like a mud skipper fish. And you can see the pictures yourself if you go there and look it up. And uh, it does. It looks it looks a lot like that fish. Now, um, they're saying that it is probably not a fish. It's just, uh, you know, it looks a lot like one uh, because of the shape. And, you know, because of our eyes tend to, you know, if you look at the clouds, you'll see shapes. You'll go, oh, that one looks like a, a dog or that one looks like a crocodile, you know. Um, so things that we draw on that we see make us sometimes think, oh, look, look at what that is, you know. But as you can see in the picture, it's more the shape of the fish. It definitely doesn't look like the bones of the fish. But it's still interesting nonetheless. And uh, who knows what interesting things are going to be found um, on Mars. So it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on this. It's too bad that uh, the news stations don't report on these interesting human interest things. And uh, that's probably why I don't watch uh, the news on TV. Now for our keynote address on rock hounding in Montana. Sapphires are there, agates, gold, and fossils primarily. Now you can go to rockseeker.com and they have an article here under rock hounding in Montana. And uh, it gives you some nice tips about Montana. It says Montana is known as a treasure state. Right next to Montana is Idaho, which is known as the gem state. So there you go. Two wonderful states next to each other. Would be a great trip to go prospecting there. But um, one of the things Montana is famous for is the sapphires. Some beautiful sapphires there in colors from uh, blues to greens. And uh, they just have this shine that is spectacular. Now, you can find gold, agates, sapphires, and even fossils there. Many of these sites are free and open to the public year-round, according to the article here. You can go to Crystal Park, which is located by the Pioneer Scenic Byway south of Wise River. And uh, it's an inspiring place. There's a public dig there where you can find amethysts. You can find smoky quartz. You can find clear quartz, scepters, and crystals. It's a great $5 for a vehicle entry fee. You just need to bring your own equipment, and a shovel and screen is pretty good and um, recommended. Now, the site is about 7,700 feet in the Pioneer Mountains, so you will want to make sure you go in the right time of year because they do get a lot of snow there. Um, the next place... Uh, that is in Crystal Park. They said that there's a place called Japan Law Twin where a pair of crystals were joined at a degree of 84 degrees and 39 minutes. And there's another prize scepter, a large crystal, and a smaller one that were found. in the Mineral Club um, began, the Butte Mineral Club, began filing mineral rate, uh, rights in the area in the 50s. And um, I guess they've managed to keep, you know, these areas uh, open, but they they started a cooperative agreement with the Forest Service so that uh, the public can enjoy this. So that's pretty cool. Um, portable toilets are there and um, 
it is about 65 miles southwest of Butte. And they have directions here if you want um, directions. Now there's the Calvert Hill Mine, which is about six miles west of Wise River. And the Calvert Hill Mine is a great place to find epidite, aquamarine, uh, shelite, garnets. And the mine was once a tungsten mine, but it's not operating as a tungsten mine. But there's tailing piles, um, plenty of beautiful rocks around there to be found. Next, the... Um, Gal Gallatin National Forest, and uh, this is called the Tom Minor Basin. It's a federal public land managed by the United States Forest Service. There is a petrified forest there. You can look at these things. Um, there is a place you can collect in this area a single 20 cubic inch specimen about the size of your fist. Jim Mountain Sapphire Mine. This is really cool. Um, this is a family-owned business owned by the Cooney family for a long time. And it says that it's very accessible. Uh, it's been seen by millions of visitors over the years on their way to the Glacier or Yellowstone National Park. Uh, everything you need there to find um, sapphires. And that's all the information it gives on that. The Endicondum, uh, Montana is another favorite destination for rockhounds. There's tailing piles, there's epidite, um, shelite, all sorts of collectibles, um, quartzite, and other things that, and, and uh, argillite, which I should look that up because I don't, I can't remember what that is. Also, there are other gems that can be found um, the southwest Montana, near the southwest corner of the state, near the town of Lima. Uh, there's actually evidence of a prehistoric ocean there, so there's a lot of lava and different rocks and even fossils out there. Finally, the Spokane Bar Sapphire Mine and Gold Fever Rock Shop um, is there. You can go and see all the beautiful rocks and minerals and sapphires. They have a fee dig there where you can dig your own sapphire and um, come up with some really pretty sapphires for your collection there. So... Um, I guess that's about it for now. So we'll see. Did I miss anything? I think we got everything, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. We're always looking forward to if you have an interesting stories to tell or you want to share something or you have an idea for a show, um, please connect with me. Um, get a hold of us on our MeWe site or any of the social media. Go to RadicalRocksUSA.blogspot.com and any one of our blogs there at the bottom we have links um, and these blogs are really informative a lot of these are worth downloading and printing and putting into your lapidary shop so um, take a look at some of those articles with that guys that's it um, remember rock hounds don't die they petrify <laughs>